You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Be'ezras Hashem, we're continuing with our shirim on the Leshem Shabbat Vachalema's Haktamos Usha'arim, and tonight we're going to pick up from Shar Aleph Parakbeis. Be'ezras Hashem, we'll read inside and we'll go with where the Leshem is taking us just to be Mazbred in Yonim, but it is, it's important, it's the Zach Adar is the yard site of the Leshem Shabbat Vachalema. I was looking to be by the Kever with, uh, with Moshe Shatz and is a tremendous, tremendous uh, teacher of the Lashem and someone who's mavarad the Lashem very much. So it was a tremendous close. But the light of the Lashem, and there's more hiskashos to the Lashem these days more than ever, is because something I was able to say a little bit at the Kever is that the Lashem is a tzaddik who talks about all of history as a preparation for redemption, redemption, and then the process that continues after redemption. So it's quite literally a Torah of La'asid Lavo, it's a Torah of the Or Haganus, the light that was concealed at the very onset of Maisa Barashis, which Adam Arishon was able to see from one end of the world to the other, from the beginning of creation down to the end of history, Ezra Sashem, not in the seventh millennia, not in the eighth millennia, not in the ninth, but the tenth millennia, which the Leshem brings down, as does the Ramchal, which is just when things return back to the infinite, Be'ezra Sashem. So the Leshem is a language and the type of neshama and the machaber that is makusher to the entire concept of ge'ula, both the ge'ula that can be found in galus and the ge'ula that will follow galus. And he's one of the tzaddikim who teach us that even in a state of ge'ula, there will be a concept of galus, not a negative galus, but a recognition that whatever level I'm at right now is in truth a lower level in comparison to an aliyah that I can take in the next moment. So it's a perpetual growth. Mechayel al-chayel, like the Kohen Gadol, who would be hoylech with the urim v'tumim, with carrying klal on his chest, which is leshem shuav achaloma. It's the ability to walk and to carry klal from galus into ge'ula itself, Bezra Sashem. And more importantly, the tzaddik should be a, a melez yosher for Klal Yisrael and, and the world and Metzius, the Gamre. And the whole Torah is a Torah of fixing. The entire thing of Lashem Shabbat is one singular process of fixing. All brokenness is seen in a concept of a process towards fixing. So the light of the Lashem should be a light of, of perpetual tikkun, the Ezra Sashem. V'hinei kol ha-giluyim halalu asher nesgala aleinu so we're coming off of where the Lashem was talking about the meanings of the Shem Havaya, Yudke Vavke. There was the essential meaning of Yudke Vavke, which means Hova Tumidis, a perpetual presence, which is beyond past, present, or future, which represents the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is present in all manners of presentness at every moment, without deviation. Then there's the secondary implication of Haya Hoiva Anihiya, of past, present, and future, which implies the role of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a Mehave, not only as the Hova Tamid, of a perpetual presence, but rather someone who is bringing things, someone, Kavyachal, that is bringing things into presence perpetually, and the bringing into presence is only 
relatable or shy when we're talking about past, present, or future. Because if there's no past, present, or future, then there's no place for presence to be mezcala itself. So those are the two expressions of the Shem Havaya. And then when it comes to the secondary explanation of the Shem Havaya, the Leshem added that it's not expressed as it is written. It's written Yud Kevav K, but due to its ascendancy and its transcendence and its impossibly high level to a point where it can't be expressed verbally. So we write it Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, which means Adnus, which is the shame of Adnus, which represents Malchus and Hashem's governance in this world. So that's where we're entering into in Parak Beis. Hine Kol HaGiluyim Halalu. All of these revelations, from the highest expression of the Shem Havaya, the Shem HaEtzem, down to Shem Adnus, Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, which is Malchus, the lowest place. All of these Giluyim Halalu, Asher Nizgala Aleinu Becholzeh that Hashem has revealed Himself to us through these revelations, all of these expressions and levels and modes that we're implying with the, even the Shem Havaya or Hayahoyvaviyya or the Shem of Adnus, all of these things are only possible or only real or, or something that we can speak about once HaKadosh Baruch Hu has made existence available, has allowed existence to exist. Shehem it's called a Meaning to say that none of these things are by nature necessary. The only thing necessary is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, truly necessary. True necessity is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everything else other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Efshari HaMetzius. Possible existence. Klal Yisrael, Nishmas Yisrael, and the Torah are the things that are closest in Afshari HaMetziyas, of possible existence, that are in truth reflective of the absolute true necessity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of Hashem Elokeichem Emes. But all of these things are, are once HaKadosh Baruch Hu has created space. Avalzula HaMetziyas, but without this Metziyas, without the unfolding of, of existence, when it comes to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it must be understood that beyond this Metziyas, Metziyas which already means something that can be found outside of something else, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Pashat is simple, Ba'achtas Pshuta in a simple unity, Betachlas Apetshitas, in the most simple possible expression of simplicity. And there's no revelation of this aspect of HaKadosh Baruch Hu prior to Metzias. There's no expression in a name or which represents Hashem Havaya or a Toar or like a nickname which is a secondary appellationary name which would be Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, a non-necessary name. There's no revelation. And there is absolutely no ability to grasp him whatsoever. There's no possible way to grasp this expression of God, so to speak, as we understand the concept, with any language, with any naming, with any word, or any letter or dot. Meaning any possible form of expression. Because in the end of the day, a name and a word and an expression and a letter or even a point which is the most irreducible, smallest expression of, of expression, all of them in the end of the day are relatively limited in relationship to what is truly unlimited. 
And when it comes to the simple unity, an absolutely simple unity of godliness, HaKadosh Baruch Hu in B'chvaydu Yiva'atzmo Kaviyachol, in that place prior to Matthias, which is not even B'chvaydu Yiva'atzmo, it's just the beginning of what we can even talk about not being able to talk about, as we're going to see. But the only language that works there, that is operant there, is the language of negation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Meshulal Mizah. These concepts of space, a name, a word, a dot, they are negated there in the fullest expression of negation. It's a good question. It's more than transcendent. Transcending is already a, a language that implies a, a certain relationship to a space. I can operate in a space and I can transcend that space. Or HaKadosh Baruch Hu before can operate in a space and then transcend that space. Over here, it's the transcendence of transcendence. Even the very concept of transcendence here is transcendent because we're talking about a concept that has absolutely no relative relationship to anything else. That's, what, that's this language of prior to Metzius. So transcendence is still too soft of a term to describe it. That make sense? Not sense. I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily sensible. And the, and the simple, the truthful simplicity that is concealed in, in the fullest possibility of concealment. And it is impossible, impossible to speak or to think about the concept of, of the, the essential truthfulness and, and wholeness or fullness that exists Zulas and Matthias, beyond the Matthias. And again, the Leshem, there's a Mikhtav, and we'll go into these Mikhtavim as secondary sources where the Leshem is Mazbir, this Indian, very clearly to certain Mikubalim in the generation. Rav Neftali Hertz, who wrote the Siddur Hagra, Beniglu Benister, who spent a lot of time learning the Ramchal, and the Leshem was a protector of the Arizal, as we spoke about. And he was never going to allow there even to be a semblance of a thought that the words of the Arizal are not essential in their nature and not simply metaphoric that need to be understood and let go of, God forbid. The Leshem was fighting for the, the belief that the words of the Arizal are as essential as the words of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, which are as essential as the words of Shlomo Melech and Shirashirim, which are ultimately as essential as the words of Moshe Rabbeinu, that these words are, are essential, and therefore we can't come to we can't come to toss these expressions away as insignificant for the sake of the experience at the core of it, but rather it's a limud hatorah, it's the words themselves. But in these in these letters where the leshem is grappling with certain inyanim in terms of tzimtzum and naftali hurts, and really kind of shalafta neged sararecha, not the other tzaddikim, but really pushing a point which is not like the leshem b'derakvau. The Leshem writes that not only is it EF Shar, not only is it EF Shar to begin to contemplate what it would mean for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to exist prior to the possibility of existence as we understand it, not only is language a failure there, the impossibility of language means that it's not that I'm not saying the right word. It's not that I'm not smart enough to say the right word. It means that with all of the language possible to human expression, it's still not even going to be able to possibly reach that place. The Leshem adds that there's also an Isser. It's Usser. 
It's usher for a person to come to even believe that they can theoretically begin to contemplate and name that type of relationship with godliness. And the Leshem gives an understanding as to why it's usher. It seems to be contained within an isser of, of a certain form of kfira, a certain kind of heretical stance because, and, and the Leshem doesn't say this, but what does the word understand mean? Understand something means that I stand under it. It means that I have a, a spatial relationship to it. It's something that is either close to me or far from me, but even the distance from me is still relatively close in terms of my personal experience. But to imply that I can reflect on the infinite itself prior to existence would imply a certain distance necessary for reflection. Reflection, it can't be, a thing can't reflect on itself other than God who can do anything, that who amad that he is the, the contemplated object and the thing contemplating the contemplated object. Fundamentally so. Fundamentally so. The Leshem has a footnote over here. He's going to say that before the Tzimtzum, which is prior to the emergence of the possibility of Metzius, prior to the, the possibility of Hashem Avaya, well, all we have is the Marnabuchim. All we have is the Marnabuchim. After the Tzimtzum, all we have is the Arizal. And here we're talking prior to the Tzimtzum. But in truth, also, the impulse inherent in the negative theological stance where I come to realize that I can't know anything is the, the depth and the central point of Chassidus and Panim Yisafar, which is Tachl Sayyidiyah Shalaneda. Meaning on the Rambam's cover, it says, Mimosha ad Moshe Moshe. From Moshe to Moshe, there was no one like Moshe. And I wanted to say once that Moshe Rabbeinu taught us the very same thing that the Rambam is teaching us, that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to see the face of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He wanted to grasp the essence, so to speak, of godliness. And he was told, as Panay lo yirav, you can't see it. The Leshem says, not in this Sefer, but in another Sefer, that we learn this from Moshe to teach us a fundamental tenet of faith. Because if it was anybody but Moshe who was denied access to the fullest grasp of the essence of God, Kav as if that was even a possibility, then we would have said it's a symptom, a symptom of their human frailty, their behavior, right? They didn't do enough to reach the highest point of the apex of wisdom. But we learned it from Moshe to teach that this is not a human symptom. This is not a symptom of human experience, rather. This is a fundamental law that is built in to the fabric of creation. It is impossible. This is the language of the Leshem. In Deya, it is impossible in accordance with the laws of creation that the creation can grasp the creator. It's an ontological impossibility. And it's us to contemplate that because to contemplate that means that I'm something other than godliness. And this is what the Rambam was teaching also. In the end of the day, the Rambam is teaching us what we can't know. The Chai Biyoma Misa, the Leshem doesn't say it Mufurash, but other Talmidim of the Gros speak, Rav Menachem and the Lush Club speak specifically about Yom HaMisa. And Yom HaMisa doesn't have to mean Misa, God forbid, but the Mikubalim spoke of a Yichud called Yichud of Mekabziel, which is something that a Tzaddik is supposed to try and do at the moment of, you know, Petira or Aliyah Saneshama, and that happens again. We know from the Zarek that death is a, is a relative concept, and as Hashem, no one should have to. 
<laughs> they call it mekabsil, and it's meant to imply a certain gathering of all human experience that they've had, and then some. And that then some is something that cannot be revealed to a person when they're odenu beguf. But it's no vadanat, vadanat. Even this is what the lesson. Even there is never an ultimate. The only ultimate is choydu yivatzma, which is never reachable because the the deepest law in reality is kedushasi l'malamikdushasechem. My holiness is above your holiness. Yachol kamoni, you think you could be holy like me? Kedushasi l'malamikdushasechem. This is the fundamental point that comes out of every mimer and chasidus, and this is the fundamental point that comes out of the Torah of the Vilna Vilna. It's everyone is saying a simple thing, emuna, in the end of the day, and and that is dependent on the recognition of the impossibility of grasping the essence of godliness. To think is to already already be removed from the accessibility to the essence. And it's impossible to speak or to even contemplate. Here the Leshem adds contemplating, right? Before we had naming and words. Here, contemplation itself is an impossibility. With regards to his true truthfulness and true fullness beyond or separate from or, or without the considerations of existence. It can only negate, it can only be grasped by way of negation. All we can do is refine and refine and refine and refine and abstract and abstract and abstract more and more. The concept of the infinite from every possibility of language or, or thought grasping it. And we have to consistently garb and ungarb what we conceive of as our grasp to come to the point where we realize that all we can do is negate these concepts. No matter how refined a concept is, no matter how spiritual a person is, they still cannot grasp the infinite in its essence, Kavyachal. And again, there's also a secret here that the Leshem is going to explain in, in, in the coming chapters is that there is the, the Rambam's Mahalach of Derech Shlila, which is the negative theological impulse, so to speak, which, which is the apophatic element of, of not being able to grasp godliness, of all language being an attempt to grasp God, but ultimately saying that I can't grasp God, speaking away the possibility of grasping God in any essential way. Again, what is most fundamental is that the, the laws relating to our ability to think or speak about this element of godliness says absolutely nothing about the ever-present nature of this element of godliness in all spaces and in all things. That's what we refer to as the source of hamakon. It is the space. Everything exists within this unspeakability. So when we talk about the halachas of hasaga, all we're talking about is the human graspability as opposed to the presence of it. That's not, that's not part of the question. And the question of tzimtzum is still a question of speech or, or accessibility. Not a question of whether God's presence is infinitely present. The, the, any opposite notion is, 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 is an impossibility. But uh, there's also the Rambam's Mahalach, and then there's also at the heart of Hasidus, and Leshem is going to say this as well, is that Derech Shlila is also a form of Hasaga. That negative theology or that recognition of what I can't know is not simply a renunciation or a surrender to the impossibility of knowing, but it's a way of knowing. That by not having, I have. And, and perhaps I have it in an even deeper way than, than it could have been by way of having it. Because by having something, by grasping something, I'm minimizing it, I'm, I'm measuring it, I'm making an idol out of it. 
by recognizing that I can't have it, but in the, not that I can't because of deserving, but I, it's an impossibility. So every ounce and gesture to reach that point and to retreat backwards in the acknowledgement that I can't, and that surrender, right, and that rutza and that shove, we're grasping it at the same time. Knowing that I'm finite? Vada'i. And, and falling into a place of amuna. Knowing that I'm finite, or meaning knowing that the infinite is, is perpetual. Yeah, knowing that I'm finite is a good way of putting it. That's the derech of, of, you know, from the perspective of mitzidenu, from our perspective. Or knowing that God is infinite in all matters of infinitude, which would be from his perspective. Okay. V'roit salimar, what do I mean to say here? What I mean to say is that any possible form of expression or revelation is in relation to the simplicity that precedes it is going to be considered an aspect of limitation. If I can speak about something and there's a revelation of something, then by definition, my relative positioning is now that I am more magushim, I am more manifested or, or congealed than the simplicity that preceded me. But I'm speaking within a structure, exactly. And the ability to speak implies the inability to speak. And the emergence of something implies the, a, a place of nothing. And so every revelation, every possible expression, even the Shem Havayas we're going to see, in relation to the simplicity from, from which it emerged and which is above it, is going to be considered an aspect of limitation. In the place of a limitation or revelation, revelation is limitation. Right? If it's revealed, it means that it's concealed. So, so in a place of revelation, we are allowed, we are given permission, it is mutter, to apply terms, to apply descriptions, bless you. And these descriptions are what are referred to as the shir koma. The shir koma, the, the shape of the Godhead, the shape of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence, right, in this world is a concept that is discussed in, 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 all the way back to, to the Torah HaKadosh, right? We see the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as the Lashem is going to say. And it's only in the place of revelation that we're able to apply these terms. Like we find in the Torah numerous terms. Again, the, the Leshem here, in, like we saw in the Hakdam, he's speaking to the initiate and he's speaking to the novice, right? He's speaking here of an explicit trajectory. He's saying it's true in the Torah, it's true in Shir Hashirim. It's true in the words of the Mikubalim. And the Lashem elsewhere traces the Arizal system. He says we have to take the concepts of the Arizal seriously as we take the concepts in the Zara, Kaddish, and Rashbi, which are a reflection of the terminologies found in Shir and from Shlomo Melech, which are a reflection of the Torah HaKadosh. So it's not by, by happenstance that he's using these examples. Hagam And even though we can term these concepts, in truth, most of the concepts that we're applying terminology to are really the outgrowths of these concepts as they exist in the space of the limitation that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given shape to. So meaning to say, when we say the regel of Hashem Kav and this is based on Ashlah HaKadosh, which is a fundamental revolution in how we think about God and self, I believe, 
That generally speaking, when we're talking about Yad Hashem, Ayin Hashem, we're just talking about the Hashkacha, the Inyanim of Hashem's Enayim in this world, which is Hashkacha, and that's what we're referring to. We're still not really referring to the Partsufim or the shapes. That's a language that, you know, the Mikubalim are Shayach to. And so even over here, the, the role of language is not the absolute capturing of these things, but it's an expression of, of the outgrowths. Nevertheless, because of the laws of spirituality, we have permission to apply the terminologies that we would have applied to the absolute expressions of godliness to the outgrowths of those expressions as well. Because ultimately what the Leshem is going to show, it's a system. It's a, it's a system that stamps itself in an infinite gradational kind of fractalized levels. That what happens at level 10 is happening at level 9, is happening at level 8, is happening at level 7, is happening at level 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It's a fractal system. And it's just a question of the relative positioning of the terms and not the terms themselves. And so here the Leshem is saying that the language that we use can be applied from level to level. And generally speaking, the language we're using is not expressive of the highest levels, it's of the lower levels. But nevertheless, language doesn't reach that level beyond all levels. Those levels that exist above them, even though they're refined to an extent that we can't name them in these terminologies because they're outgrowths of the not emerged yet, nevertheless, because they're the root of it, right? Avos mikladi ikotodos. Chazal told us this at the beginning of Babakama. When we speak of avos, the implication is that there's todos. And so if we see a source, the implication is that we can name the source based on the outgrowth of the source as well. This is not the case, however, when it comes to his truthful simplicity, which is above any possibility of revelation. There it is forbidden in the deepest manner of something being forbidden. In the, in the furthermost point of forbiddenness, to, to express any name, God forbid, or any concept, when it comes to the infinite expression of godliness prior to the emergence of limitation, it is forbidden in all matters of forbiddenness to imply any terms or apply any terms that imply some sense of limitation, image, or imaginings. Because it is mishulal sham mikol ashlila. It is negated at that point from all of these things in the greatest possible expression of negation. The sham klal, and it is absolutely impossible for an individual to have any type of contemplation there. Elarak shlila The negation is a way of contemplation. It's not a limiting of contemplation. It's a form of contemplation. It's one that gives birth to bittul as opposed to gaiva, ultimately. Our job there is to negate. The only thing we can do there is to negate any concept or, or musag that implies any deficiency to the wholeness or the true wholeness. And to reinforce over and over the, the, the impossibility. Any possibility or possible thought of anything other than this thing itself that we're trying to describe of grasping itself. Yeah. Sure. So 
It's a good, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing it's an amazingly delicate question. It, the, it's the concept you're talking about is is ein soif koydem at simsum, which how meaning what's the havamina? What's the havamina? The leshem is saying it's impossible. What's the havamina? Avoid the zara, avoid the zara. The natural tendency of human beings to want to be magshim things. The natural things to believe in concepts of godliness that are so structured and congealed that create that create a, a mental form of vodzara or, or a natural form of it or misunderstanding. She took all of them. No, vodzara would be the. the no, the Avodazar the is the concept. Well, over here, he's trying to negate the very possibility of accessing something. Forget about the ways of access or thought. Meaning, there might be, a, there may have been a pre-existing concept that there's, yeah. I think ultimately you're right. You're right, but but clearly not everybody had that healthy perception. There's a response. Who are those people? Who are the what? What's it in response to? If you look already. So that's a good question. This is what the this is this is the ikr nakuda meaning bittel. They're teaching bittel. That's that's what this concept the, the impossibility of grasping the essence of God is is the direct source of the the overwhelming significance and really the the singular significance of faith beyond it could be rationality or or the belief in gnosis which was kind of this real belief that the mind can grasp the infinite in some form graspable way what power would that offer to the individual we had various you know we had demagogues, we had people who made themselves into God. It's a belief in perfection. We had alchemy meaning in all forms of expressibility. But what but and and the danger the danger of any any language, meaning Yiddishkeit it stands at the at the forefront of the chasm in ensuring that we refine the concept of God over and over and over and over again through the negative theological impulse at the heart of the Torah itself. To ensure that no one ever come, God forbid, to be magshim, or to make tangible the concept of the infinite. I mean, there's, there's, there's immediately one can see it direct. There's always a. It's not a hidden polemic. There's a polemic. There's, there's a pushback against the notion of the perfectibility of man, of of man becoming God, of reality merging into into the source of reality, etc. That makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. You can't add. You can't add. Because adding, this is something that Ishbitz, on this Torah, and Ishbitz and Lasham Mamish, they're, they're the same Nakuda Pnimis, I believe. Meaning, the notion of adding more implies any ability to grasp anything at all. The only thing we could grasp is what Chazal have told us we can grasp. All we have is the Matbeyash and Matnitvah. Meaning, also, here the, the Lasham is Mamish the Talmud of the Grove. 
Torah lishma, the Torah itself. We learn the words not because we grasp them. We learn the words because they're the words that are written. Ah, you have applications of grasp. You have, you know, hapshata and the application and foreign ideas. Beautiful. I love that idea. Do that over and over. But never see the language of the Arizal as a container that needs to be thrown away for some other form of interpretation. Because, and we're going to see this is a return directly to the Zohar, and the Leshem says this and very powerfully, and it's an immediate reflection of Balatanya and Paraktalid uh, about the Yichud HaNifla of Talmud Torah. But the Leshem says the only thing we can do is learn the words. And when you're learning the words, there's a mechanism that takes place through the coal and the dibor, the, the, the utterance-less voice and the, the, the expression through through the breaking down of concepts into language and the vocal cords working, all of these tzimtzumim, this somehow, some way, in a way that we don't necessarily understand, is a, is a direct chain that shakes at the, at the highest, loftiest expressions of the infinite reality. That's the chiddush of the Torah. We have the Torah, and by learning the Torah, you're awakening the concepts that are hidden in the Torah itself. Yep. Absolutely. It's a groundingness in Chazal. It's a groundingness in the in the Gilui of Malchus. It's a groundingness in 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 the otherwise a person is Kaifer Iker. So let's go weiter. Beautiful. Yeah. <clears throat> in the second factor of Chagiga, right? So in terms of Ma'asim Makava, yeah, yeah. The Muflam and Chal. It's interesting that the Rambam brings his Masbir does the Shainus from the from the Gemara over there. In fact, they is in Hatzorah Zara. So that could be right. that he, right. Rambam is saying. He's just saying his Masbir says if you try to do these things, you'll cause damage to the world. Right. But he doesn't call it a Vodazara. But maybe that's where the lesson is understanding that it's a Vodazara in the sense that that's where the Rama puts it. Could be. Could be. It's a beautiful Mahalach. Okay, so let's go weiter. And now the Lashem is saying, okay, now I'm going to really apply this, right? So you may have been thinking, ah, but the Shem Havaya, right? No. So the Chen Gama Gile Dashem Havaya Baruch Because we're going to see the Lashem says even the concept of Orin Sof is not the fullest expression of godliness. And with these concepts in mind, it's a foolproof system because a person is never falling into the traps of fear or heresy because you're never talking about God itself, so to speak, or himself. The Chen Gama Gile Dashem Havaya Baruch even though we already told you in the previous parak that there are two ways of understanding the Shem Havaya, the first way, which is the truest way, which represents his true existence, which is in a perpetual state of presence above and beyond any concept of time, which is the Hoyve Tamid. This expression of the Shem Havaya, even in its most essential form, is still only revealed to us through Bo Gamkein Rak Al the existence of worlds. And here, what worlds? Ha'elem. The Oilem is a Ha'elem, meaning concealment, symptom. Ki Kol Nimtza Asher Havaya Baruchu. 
Because any aspect of something that is present or, or present in the sense that it's present for me to grasp or present in the sense that it's present in time, something being present means it's accessible. That is contained within the notion of the Shemavaya. All of this is only once HaKadosh Baruch Hu has revealed himself in the existence of all of the worlds. Because any language of something that is found, or which is the language of Metzius also, Metzius is found, existence is found, right? a person finds themselves in the world. Meaning implied inherently within the word Nimtza, existent, or found, is the implication of a, a, a new form of a revelation which implies a secondary, inessential form of revelation. <coughs> that has been kind of renewed, revealed, and now found. In addition, the notion of existence or something existing also implies something being given over to something that is capable of receiving it. Right? The implication of Metsius implies there is now something that is other than the thing that is revealing itself that is now capable of receiving that which is being revealed. In the Similar to the language of Ein Melech Belo Am, that you have no king without an Am. I'm not saying that that's what's being said here, but that's the general framework of the concept. That something present means that it's present to somebody else or something else. Kikenhu Lashen Nimsa, because this is another understanding of the word Nimsa. Shenimsa Lizulaso, it's found to something other. The and the essential language of nimtza, or the source of it, who makes yatsa. The implication is that it has already emerged outwards. And something emerging implies that there was a previous experience or existence of concealment, because revelation is simply the other side of a previous concealment. So the implication is that it has emerged out of a prior concealment. Which in the end of the day implies that there's something novel here. And if it's novel, then it's not essential. Because only the essential is perpetual. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Chavaydu Yiva'atzmo, is something that is M'chuyiv HaMetzias. Over here we're not going to get into those terms. In Chasidus and Tanya they mean something else. So I want to I want to steer away from those terms. It's nimsa, it came from somewhere. It came from somewhere. Potentiality. Yeah, it came from but, a, it came what, from what, previous. So what, what about Ayin so so so, so we'll, we'll get there. I don't want to I don't want to get off off track on this. We'll see exactly because over here those terms mean something, but they depend every time on what you're discussing. Ayin and Yesh are relative terms. Meaning anything that we don't know or can't conceive is a consideration of Ayin. In the beginning it was concealed. Now it's revealed. And this is what it means that something is now found or existed. Which means that that Giloy, that revelation is something that is new. It has emerged at a particular point. And the point at which all emergence can trace its emergence back to is the point of the emergence of all things, which is the concept of tzimtzum, which we're going to understand. We're not going to translate it here because the Leshem's theory of tzimtzum is, is unique and, and connected really in writing only to Rabbi Nachman, but both of them are at the core of the sugya. Sha'az Yatsameha Alamaso, at that point in the tzimtzum, a Baruch Hu emerged out of his concealment, the Bechinas Ein Sof, 
that there was an emergence out of the concealment, which was what? Which was the infinitude that preceded existence. And it has given the possibility to revelation to unfold. And then those stages of potential expression, which are referred to as the Oilamus de Sof as the worlds of the infinite, this very delicate boundary between worlds that are infinite, which are, as Rav Yitzhak Morgenstern Shlita describes them, it's a non-existent existent. And then we have the first world that we really refer to as a, as a real world of one degree or another, is the world of Atzilus. And all of these, again, like the Leshem said, we know there's a world of Adam Kadmon, Atzilus, Bri, Yitzhir, and Asiyah, those three gradations, Ak, Atzilus, and Bia. Ak is one thing, Atzilus is one thing, and Bri Yitzhira are another thing, ostensibly. And after the world of Atzilus, and only after, in that place, do we now grasp the concept of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. After the Simpson, do we have this concept that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is now revealed, found in the perpetual presence. This is the, the first expression of the Shem Havaya, the essential one, not the Hayahoyvinyeya. We haven't even descended into time. That's what it means. Nimsa kayim kaniskal elba parakalif. Amnan, like we said in the first chapter, we said there are two ways to understand the Shem Havaya. One is Hoyvetamid, which is in relationship to itself, Kavyachal. And one is Hoyvetamid, which is the Mahava, which is the sense of creation in the gradational breakdown of time, which implies a relationship. And here we're also going to see, we saw this idea in the word Nimsa. Nimsa can be it's something that is present, but also in addition it means Nimsa Lizulasa, like we said. It's also applicable to something else. And here the Leshem is going to go into the second explanation of the Shem Havaya, which is Hoyvetamid. But like we said, the language of hoiva, which means presence, something presencing itself also implies the revelation of something only towards something other than itself. Because any name and any word, it is always perpetual. The necessity of naming, the need for language, is always for the other is always in relationship to something other than myself. Like Chazal have told us, Ani Hashem Hu Shemi, I am Hashem and that is my name, Hu Shemi Shakarali Adamarisham. That's the name that Adamarisham called me. That's the emergence of naming. Hu Shemi Shahisnesi Baini Lebenatsmi. That is the name that I had made a Tanai towards between me and myself. Here the Leshem is going to hint very quickly to higher levels of, of concepts that we're not discussing yet, but they can be applied because it's all just various levels of fractals. right? But here, so there's two expressions in this Medrash. And the Leshem also wants us to understand that Chazal meant what they said and said what they meant. But the language of Chazal is also a language that can be understood in the language of Nistarosatayra that hidden within Medrash, hidden and in an open way very often, are, are the very concepts that we go towards the Mekubalim for as well. So there's Ani Hashem Hushami, Hashem is my name, that's the name that Adam Arishon gave me, but there's also Hushami Shes Nesi Beini Lebenatsmi, it's the name that I had conditioned within myself towards, which implies that that name was a possibility even prior to the need for Adam Arishon, which like we saw last week from the Pirkei Rabbi Lazar, is that Koidem Habriya Hayahu Vishmo Bilvad, that before creation, he and his name existed. Uh, what need is there for a name prior to existence? So we're going to see the Leshem is going to hint to that now. Right? 
Meaning to say, what does it mean that this is my name? Now the Lashem wants us to be careful. Don't think for a second that this name is now separate from what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. All we have is the Shem Havaya. This is the name that I have emerged out of my concealment into revelation through. And the thing that we have no access to, the thing that we can't grasp, the thing that we just spend so much time saying we have no access to whatsoever, that thing is expressed in and through the Shem Havaya. It's not identifiable with the Shem... I mean, again, we have to be so careful. It's revealed, the Atzmus Kav that is ungraspable, is revealed through the graspable expression of His name, which beckons us right back to the recognition that you can't even say the name. You can't say it as it's written, because the entire name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is to remind us that even the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is simply an expression of the infinitude of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that can't be revealed. And the second statement of Chazal, Masha Kosov Baini Lubain Atzmi, Hugiluyev Shaba Atzilus Shinaskala Shami Amisaswana Lama Shalamala. Here this means the Seder of Atzilus that the Leshem uh, that, that 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 there was a Tanai that these things were going to be revealed. Hushemishis Nasi Lubaini Lubin Briosai. This is also the name that I I made a relationship with in terms of my creations, meaning to say, Roit Salaim Shinaskala Ayodal Lizulasu Hubai Lamaspia. In the worlds of separation. So again, the Leshem is saying over here in this language of the Medrash that what are these different Tanayim? There's the name that I made dependent with myself and there's the name that I made dependent upon my creations. The name that I made dependent upon myself is the Shem Havaya of Atzilus, which we're going to see where the revelations of godliness are, are unified in the most profound type of way. And then the name that I related to my creations with is the world of B'yitzir Anasiya, which represents the, the, you know, the gradational congealment of reality to the degree that it's, it's what we can grasp in, in, in what's referred to as Chazal in the in the lowest place imaginable. What we find, and the Leshem is going to bring us back to the Iker point, the entire revelation of the name Havaya, it's only what is revealed at the point of Atzilus. And Atzilus is very far from being the tippy-ta point of the Seder of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's revelation in this world. And in addition, it's only what has been revealed to something other. And so when the Lashem says to look, we, we technically should look, and all the Makoros are brought, but we're not going to do that by learning through the Sefer. It's Kedai to look. Masha Kasev Shesnesi. So here, so so here, this is. Let's see what the lesson says. Mashukas of Shes Neisi Lashon Tanai, and this interesting language of a Tanai, a condition, or a preconsideration towards a condition that will emerge after after the decision. A Tanai is where, even prior to the emergence of something happening, there was a necessity for that thing to happen, as opposed to something that happens without a prior necessity of a Tanai of making it a condition. Tanai is the osios of a son, which means something firmly planted, right? So, so what does it mean, Tanai? Lashon Tanai. Who b'mashe gazra ritzoni isbarach lezgal lerak begilu hazadafka. Meaning to say, Hashem reveals Himself in the way that He reveals Himself. Why? Because that's how Hashem decided to reveal Himself. Lashem has a language in Biurim on Eitzchayim that any language that we have in the Arizal or all the Mikubalim of hechrech, of necessity is all a borrowed term and none of it is actually necessary. It's only necessary from the Tzimtzum and on once HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided to make a Tanai that this is how things would be. 
which is why the ultimate revelation is shtaik kach alubimachshava, as the Leshem says over and over. Kach, kacha. And so that's the language of Hisnesi. This is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is goizer within himself kavyachol to reveal himself through. And not any other way. In the Ramak, the Leshem brings the Ramak, who says that if you begin asking why was it this way, why was it that way, then there's infinite questions to ask like that. It's this way because it's this way. This is how HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted it. Not above and not below. Meaning this is what we understand from the Arizal and upwards that the Shem Havaya Baruch Hu is revealed in the world of Atzilas through all of the Ne'at Salim from the point of Tzimtzum and below. But it's not revealed from the Tzimtzum and above. And in terms of the relationship and the revelation to those outside of that fundamental unity which emerged from him, so to speak, which are the worlds of Bria here, I mean, we have to, we'll learn a lot about the distinction of levels between Atsilas and Bria, Tzir, and Asiya, and Lesha. But all of these ways of revelation are the Tanai that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made. And even in the world of Atsilas, it's only in the lower two parts of him of Zeranpin and Malchus, meaning Klal Yisrael. And in the worlds of separation, there's no absolute revelation of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's light in the parts from above, Zeranpin and Malchus, in Chachma and Bin and Kesser. All of this, all of the rules and regulations are the Tanai that a Kaddish Baruch Hu made to reveal himself in this way. But a Kaddish Baruch Hu reveals his light only in Zan Malchus there, Shem Shemus, the Havaya Adnus. And why is it this way? What does this mean that the Tanai that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made and the access point, the truest access point that we have to understanding HaKadosh Baruch Hu or grasping HaKadosh Baruch Hu or a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is known as, in, in Sisri Torah, as Zeranpin and Malchus of the world of Atsilas. These two parts of Zeranpin and, and, and Malchus and Atsilas. Atsilas is the lowest of the worlds where the divine light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is still fundamentally identified and unified with every aspect in that world, including the possibility of limitation. The so- and afterwards, we see limitation in the unfolding worlds, Briyitzir and Asiya, we see ostensible or apparent limitation emerge in a more congealed way, and there appears to be a fissure between expression, the source of expression, and expression, or infinitude and finite. The w- access point that we have is the Zeranpin and the Malchus, that's the Vav He of the name of Kaddish Baruch Hu. that's Yud K, which we don't have access to in the world of Atsilas. And the Haniglos, the Niglos are the Vav and the He, the Torah and Tefillah, the Zachar and the Nekeva. What we tend to say of Kudshabrichu Vishnintai, Zeranpin and Malchus. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the way we relate to transcendence and the, the way we relate to the imminent expression of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the two names of those revelations are the Havaya. Shem Havaya, as we know, we're talking about Shem Havaya from, so to speak, of Yachol, it's abstract form as the, the root source of all concepts imaginable. When you talk about the Shem Havaya in, in Panimiya Satoira, in terms of the Svira that's associated with the name, we're talking about the Svira of Teferis, which is the part of their Anpin, which is the Torah, which is a relatively lower level of expression than higher levels of expression. And we're going to see what the Leshem wants to show us with that. Ukenoide, she'ikra gile de Shem Havaya Baruch the fullest expression of the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name, Hunishlam Bezer Anpin, it finds its fullest expression in Zer Anpin, 
and that partsuf that's associated with the sphere of Tiferes. Vimislabish ba Malchus, and that partsuf, that that expression of Akadish Baruchu engarbs itself within Malchus. Visham Neskala Hashem Alif Dalud Nun Yud. That's Kudshabrihu Vishrinte. Vishem Yichud Kudshabrihu Vishrinte. Viyatsa Ayedezeb Ha'ilam Mispiya. And it emerged through this into the worlds of separation. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not reveal the essence of His light or the essence of His name in the worlds below. Again, the Leshem here is coming to make a very clear distinction. Do not come ever to identify worlds of separation with godliness. Identify the perpetual flow of godliness that animates all things, that is inside, outside, surrounding and surrounded, but never come to identify. And this, there's no machlokas whatsoever amongst any tzaddik or mukubal. Ever, God forbid. What Yiddishkeit describes is what's referred to in the Nazir HaKadosh and Kola Nevua utilize this term very powerfully, panantheism. What existed prior to this term was something called pantheism. Pan means all, theism, God. Pantheism was the belief, the mistaken belief that all is God, God forbid. And a person can come, God forbid, to be oived of Odezara and fall into every imaginable place. Panantheism, lahavdil alfei avdalos, is pan, all, in, is in, theism, is in God. Everything is found in God, hamakom. It's not that everything is identifiable with God. And the leshem is a shoymer hayichud here. Is, is perpetually on guard to ensure that we understand that the end point in which godliness is fully revealed and identifiable with its revelation is in the world of Atzilus, in the Torah and in Tzvilah, in Zer'an, Penamalchus, Kutshabrichu, Vishkente. Anything below is, yes, a vada when you dig down deep, even two layers, you come to find the infinite light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but that's the Sharish of Amuna. But the halachos here are with regards to identifying and claiming grasp of it. And HaKadosh Baruch did not reveal the essence of his light below in the worlds of separation. The place where we can still contemplate the essence of godliness, so to speak, where we can claim that the source of revelation and the revelation is the identifiable same thing, that ends at the end of the Malchus Ta'atzilus. That's the Shkina HaKadosha. She Hei Achorei which is the lowest Hei. Ah, that lower Hei, the Shkina is found in Golis, it animates and it descends into the worlds of separation, but that's not identifiable with godliness. Vumizgala B'Shem Adnas, and that point of Malchus of Atzilus, which is... The, the last hey ident- expresses itself in the four letters of Admas. And the fullest expression of the essence of godliness, which means that the revelation is identifiable with the source that is revealing it, where the Oiris and the Kalim are one and the same, that ends in Atsilas. To say that or claim that in worlds of separation is avoid the Zaragmurachasvashalam. And below, anywhere below Malchus of Atzilus, there are things that are created, are formed, and are made. She'enam elikus plow. That are not identifiable with godliness whatsoever. I mean, identifiable in the sense that they can be grasped as godliness. Again, we said this is halachos in grasp. 
These are halachos in terms of the gavra's ability to chap HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In terms of the chepza, underneath everything, enon mavado kepshutamamish, like we said, the inability to grasp the essence of godliness does not for one iota of a second imply any possibility of anything existing outside of that absolute space of godliness. So we're not talking about negating God, God forbid, from the places of separation. It's all a question of hasaga. How am I allowed to be masagit? At that point, everything is revealed only by way of, of masks, of separations, of partitions. And all that emerges out of them is simply one tamsa, it's a quintessence. But as Leshem is going to, he speaks and unspeaks all the time, because here we're saying all we have is the limit point of Malchus of Atzilus, and below that there's no essential expression of godliness. But what the Leshem is also going to stress over and over is that the quintessential drop that comes down through that Mesach contains everything. It's a fractal. It has everything in it. And if you dig down deep enough, you find in every prat the entirety of the cloud. But you have to speak. In Pnimiya Satora, as in Nigla Satora, a person has to speak with Treha Fachim Echa, the oppositional unity of things giving strength to themselves in their opposition. And through this and through this gradations of symptom and revelation and concealment, this is how the existence of the worlds of separation came into existence. Meaning here, all these terms, this is what a person sees when they learn Nefshachayim. And Nefshachayim is this. Nefshachayim is the Rechayim Velazhenar saying what is and then showing the receipts for it, Kav Yochan, saying, I know this because I have a thousand sources in Kitzvah Arizal to show. This is when Chazal say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, this is my name that Adam Arishon called me and this is the name that I made a condition with that it's a language of a Tanai. I skipped the line where the Lashem says, That's how he refers to people who learn the Arizal, those who taste from the tree of life. This is how HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to fear the veil. This is how Hashem wanted to reveal Himself. This is what we have permission to do. We have permission to serve Hashem in this way. That's the Tanai HaKadosh Baruch Hu made. To end on this on this nakuda, Nafshachaim says in Shargimma, what's the problem with coming to contemplate Ainan Mavado and Yikhud that that higher perspective of Hashem being everywhere and and surrounding and fulfilling everything, is that you'll come to to misjudge the limitation, you'll come to worship God in Mekomosamitunafos, which we know is a Davar Asr. And the Rav Rubin edition, the brown, the earlier edition of Nefshachayim, Rav Rubin was the Tal the Oros, who was Nifter. He was a young, tremendous Talmud Chacham. He put out a sorum called Oros Agroa, two volumes which are just Nifloim v'Nifloim. And he writes there to look at the Mikhtav Meiliyahu. And if you look at Rav Dessler over there, he says, and what's the problem with worshipping HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a bathroom in a Makom Matunach? It's not that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not found in Makomos Matunach. It's that, the, and, and I heard this in the name of Rav Blachman, Shlita, he said that there's a chalus isser of hasaga salukus in these places. It's not that there's an actual absence of godliness. There's no real halal. Everybody agrees. The, these are rules in halacha of graspability. And Be'ezr Sashem will we'll continue with, uh, with Parak Gimel next week. Okay, Yashukayach.
This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. 